Hi everyone, my name is Amber. And I'm Jasma. Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Charts podcast. This is the podcast where we speak with experienced artists and hear more about their journey to get into where they are today. So to start it off, we're finally back. We know you missed us. Um, We did take a little bit of a hiatus, so sorry about that. Uh, We're so excited though to be back and we're welcoming Miss Keisha Chung on the podcast today. We're so excited. Keisha is a filmmaker, content creator, model, and creative based in Toronto who has so much, so many ties in the entertainment industry. She's got so many um, hands in different hats and we're so excited to kind of delve into it all and hear a little bit more about what she's done. So Keisha, how you doing? How's today going for you? I'm good. How are you both doing? We're doing good. good. Are we all staying hydrated and eating balanced meals? (laughs) Um, Hopefully, (laughs) you know, it's been a tough, tough time for us all, but... uh, we're back so yeah and it's awesome. nice yeah. That it's kind of it's kind of warm now it's getting a little warm feeling like spring you know so i'm i'm, yes. I'm doing much better now toronto's um, finally warming up a little bit yeah so it's good i'm i'm happy that the it's this time of year um again and uh everything feels like it's getting so, to some semblance of normal so i'm good amazing awesome so we're gonna get started right off the bat by talking about gray area because Personally, this is the thing I've been most excited to talk to you about because it's been so incredible to see. So this is Keisha's short film, first film that she wrote, produced, and directed that came out recently and it's been doing so well in festivals. So many festival selections, that is amazing. So talk to us a little bit about how that process was like and seeing kind of all the reaction now that you're getting all these selections and seeing all the hard work come to life. Honestly, it's been really... I don't okay I wouldn't say overwhelming but it, it, it's been a little bit intense in, in the best ways possible you know like I yeah. put so much work into it um, the crew the cast put so much work and time into it and watching you know it be received so well by the people that I created it for was just a really exciting experience mm-hmm. um, and it feels like I keep saying it's like the gift that keeps on giving like I'm like oh we go into another festival oh we go into another festival like oh guys yay mm-hmm. there's another one and it's and it's <laughs> almost like I've never done a project like a film project at to this stage so I've like produced stuff I've directed things mm-hmm. um, like music videos and stuff but I've never done something where mm-hmm. we're doing festival runs and all the work that's involved in that I just didn't really know about so that side of it was a little bit overwhelming for me to be like okay so right. this is why this is a job for somebody else like this is why you hire someone to take care of this half of the process mm-hmm. um, but honestly <laughs> I'm just really right. grateful that the community has supported it and that it's been so well received it it makes me feel really good and like I'm on the right path you know like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing which feels really good so right yeah yeah that's amazing and what was it like you know actually getting started with the project and doing it because you know actually Jasmine myself most recently worked on something not of the same scale and nature (laughs) similar and oh my gosh it's stressful like doing all that so I mean being at the the head of it all it must have been a lot trying to kind of get everyone in order and figure everything out uh yeah I think for me I'm a very I get bored easily um so I like doing multiple mm. things that's kind of how my brain works um I when I think of ideas right. they right. usually have multiple facets to them so for me doing this project it was definitely a lot of work and I'm not going to downplay it and say it was easy but it was a challenge that mm-hmm. was really indicative of where I was at that time you know and I did learn that moving forward I don't like directing and producing at the same time at least not on my own because mm-hmm. I find when you do that it's like as, especially when you're on set like producing leading up to it's fine but on the day of as a producer mm-hmm. you have to think about 
when's the food coming? Where is everybody? Is everything good with like right. the equipment? Like, and then as a director, you're thinking, okay, creatively, how am I going to get the shot? How am I going to get the actors to deliver X, Y, Z? You know what I mean? So I find that, mm-hmm. you know, when you do both of those alone, it can be really daunting. And I had to like, literally be like, okay, take director hat off producer mode. Where's this? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. You know? <laughs> so, um, the film that I did after that, that hasn't come out yet, um, I got somebody to help produce it with me. So I still produced it, but on the day Mm -hmm. of, I didn't have to think about any of the production stuff. I was like just directing Mm -hmm. and they were producing. So I really learned that lesson doing that project. And, you know, (laughs) I guess also learning when to ask for help. I think that was something that that film really taught me is like, I'm very accustomed Mm -hmm. to doing things myself. And gray area was, um, like I said, it was indicative of where I was and it showed me what I'm capable of, but it also showed me that I don't have to do everything it's good to get help sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear, because it was so ambitious for your first film to take on so many different roles, was there something that you did enjoy doing all of those, having the perspective of, you know, three different aspects of behind the scenes doing the film? Was there something that you learned that you would definitely carry on with you for the rest of the projects you do? Hmm. I really like having creative control over things. Um, I think it sounds kind of weird when I say it. I was like, should I say that? But it's true. I, I like no, to have. No, no, it doesn't. You know, it's so true. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. Like, I like, you know, with writing, that's something that can be very solitary, but it can also be something that's done collaboratively. Mm-hmm. And with this film, I had a lot of people helping me, giving me input, but I was able to mm-hmm. really insert myself into the film in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do if maybe I had other writers be a part of it. And then with mm-hmm. producing, that's like all the organizing. Who am I bringing together for this project? How am I going to make this come to life? And who are the best people to bring on board for that? And then how are we going to execute it? And then directing, it's mm-hmm. like you're creatively now actualizing what the writer put on paper. And I'm the writer, so I know what I want, you know? So mm-hmm. I guess to answer your question, I think finding ways where I can be a part of the different stages of developing a project is always ideal for me because that's really what it was you know mm-hmm. the writing is the the kind of first big part then the production then directing and like I also have a director's cut that I edited of the film you know so I also did that as well and I kind of knew what I wanted for my vision so when I was working with the editor I looked through every single thing that we had every shot I made my notes and I knew what I wanted and then I kind of gave him a base of what I was looking for and I let him add his creative right. flair because he's a professional editor you know um but mm-hmm. i guess all of those things combined taught me that i enjoy being a part of multiple stages of the process and maybe mm-hmm. moving forward when i work on other projects finding places where i can learn a bit more about different sides like writing i'd love to learn more about how other people write and collaborating mm-hmm. with people right. in that sense because the other stages of the, the film i got to collaborate a lot more but the writing it was really mm-hmm. like me and then getting people's feedback but i've never like written mm-hmm. a screenplay with someone before so i'd love to do that right. i think that'd be really fun Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like so much work. Full on respect for that. So Does that mean we're getting a director's cut though of Gray Area. I feel like that needs to <laughs> I don't know if I'll. It's there. It's a lot longer. <laughs> it's a lot oh, longer, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if like we'll take the extra minutes. We'll take the extra minutes. And it's not color corrected <laughs> or mixed properly. So maybe oh like maybe one day. <laughs> If you mentioned color correcting, I'm gonna call it Jasmine right now because she, um, <laughs> when we did this project, she's insane with color correcting. Um, so I think that's the only reason she will say that maybe uh, not with the director's cut, she'll understand that because she's like, that's the one thing I will yeah. call her right now. It's really, it's really funny because at one point in my career, I actually was convinced I was gonna be like a color grader. 
I was convinced. I'm like, I love wow. this. This is so cool. Yeah, I was I was like literally convinced. That's so and niche. Then, <laughs> I know. And I was like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get all the equipment. And like I started researching it and then I started like looking at the actual software to do it. Like I did it very basically in like Premiere and like whatnot, you know? And then I was like, Oh my god, okay, I'm gonna like get the mm-hmm. Da Vinci, like da 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 I'm gonna learn how to do all this stuff. And then I started like using it and I was like, There's literally no way I could do this. Like this is crazy and like so <laughs> much work and so like I'm very detail oriented, but color grading, that's like and it's it changes a film so much, you know? And that's what mm-hmm. I kinda love about film too is like there's so many details and so many people involved in putting it together. It's not just one person. You can't do it alone. And that's what I love about mm-hmm. it as a medium, you know? So there's so many different jobs you can try. And I've, I've done, you know, like I said, I did editing. And then I was like, editing, color grading, I'm going to be in this side of it. And then I was like, no, 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 directing. That's more fun. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot a little and talk about kind of like what I assume would be the inspiration behind this film. Because Gray Area is talking about kind of like the story of a young model which was the start of your career. You were a professional model. And um, I wanted to kind of hear about that experience and what it was like. And were you kind of happy with the fact that that was the beginning of your career? And if there were things that you learned from that that you kind of take into film now, not just as the story, but kind of like, you know, the work ethic or kind of scheduling or dealing with people in that industry? That's a good question. Um, I honestly wouldn't be the type of director I am or even producer I am if I didn't start with modeling because it gave me a really good foundation. Um, It showed me what it's like being in front of the camera. And I think it's like when you watch a director who was a cinematographer first, you can see that their ability to capture certain things is a bit different because of what their background is, you know? Um, So for me, it's like modeling allows me to Mm -hmm. understand what a performer's experience is in a different way that I think really helps me but it also taught me the fundamentals of even like producing because when you're doing a photo shoot you know you see the call sheets you see how who's doing what and I used to pay attention to that stuff a lot you know that's really how I decided I wanted to move into another space behind the camera was because I was at a photo shoot I hated what I was wearing didn't like my makeup and I was like okay well I can't really say anything because I'm a model so let me look at who's making the decisions and it was the producers and the directors that were there you know and that made me realize that that's where I want to be So modeling not only gave me that, like, I guess, first look into the industry in that way, but it also gave me some very foundational skills that I carry with me throughout my career now. And it also helped me build my network. Mm -hmm. I met a lot of people, like makeup artists, hairdressers, um, costume designers, stylists, photographers that, you know, have been instrumental and helped me to get to where I am today. So it was a really important time in my career. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's funny because so you went, you did your modeling and then you actually went to Concordia. You got a Bachelor of Arts in Women's Studies Mm -hmm. and then you went to Humber for their film program. So what was the, I guess, decision for getting those two different degrees? And I know it's it's uh, it's called very common for creatives to get different kinds of degrees. And we've talked to a lot of people who said they ended up taking a degree in something other than the film related path because they wanted a different kind of outlook on whatever kind of you know field of work they're doing in the arts so did you find that that was helpful to you in that way that's funny because um the two degrees are a lot more connected than people might realize so what happened was Mm -hmm. um i was taking a class called visual ethnography when i was doing my women's studies degree and I kind of always knew I wanted to study film. Well, particularly TV. I'm a, I'm more of a TV person than a movie person. Like, I love TV shows. I don't watch a lot of movies. Um, 
Right. But um, I was taking this visual ethnography class and the assignment was to create a documentary on a specific community that you chose. And we had to use this research skills that we had learned in class and then create a visual documentary. So when mm -hmm. I did that project, I ended up doing it on the modeling world and I interviewed a bunch of people and I put it together. And that was my first real film project was through that class. Oh. And I remember at the time I was kind of in this place where I was like learning about um, feminism and I decided that I wanted to focus it on media and how media affects you know racism um, how it perpetuates homophobia and and um, sexism and all that stuff right so as I was focusing my studies on that I decided that I wanted to use this documentary as an opportunity to kind of interrogate that part of my life in the modeling world and some of the experiences I had right. so I interviewed people but I also spoke and I put a lot of myself into this documentary and I remember when we had to present it I was like shaking like I was so nervous and I was so scared because I was like thinking to myself, who's going to like have empathy for me like this like model talking about her experiences in this industry and how hard it is to like be paid to be pretty and la 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 la. And then um, we showed it. And I remember after I left the room and I was like in tears because it was like very I was being very vulnerable on this thing. And afterwards, a few of my classmates came up to me and they were like, Keisha, like your piece resonated with me the most. I'm I really appreciated you talking about this and that feeling that I got was what was like okay this is what I want to do I can take my experiences wow. I can take these moments in my life that I want to try to understand better and put them into art and that vulnerability mm -hmm. that authenticity it resonates with people even though none of them had ever modeled before they were telling me that it resonated with them the most out of like over 10 projects that were presented you know so mm -hmm. um it really was that time in my life and my feminist background, it really grounds everything because I realize how powerful media is in continuing these systems of domination that we're all exposed to so unconsciously, especially now, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I really seek to create content and projects that challenge the representations that we're taught that divide us, you know? So mm -hmm. that's really how those two things are connected in my life. And going from a fem like a women's studies background into film, it, it just seemed the best way for me to communicate these ideologies that I think are more important to push, like embracing difference, accepting yourself, being authentic with who you are and going on that journey. The best way for me to communicate that was through film. So mm -hmm. that's how those two things kind of fit together. <laughs> that's amazing. I love hearing about kind of like the motivation behind your filmmaking. Um, but I think it's really interesting because you also do a lot of creative directing and hosting and on-camera talent work. So you've worked as um, air talent for Vice as a TV host for Bell Media as a part of their um, really prestigious graduate leadership program and also for The Shift as a segment producer and on-air talent, which is insane. That's quite the resume. Um, so I think <laughs> it's really... We're just everything off. Yeah, we're just... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're preparing this. Page? <laughs> when we were preparing this, I was like, the list's still going. <laughs> it just kept going. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting that you had so much experience and perspective from both sides of the camera. So I'm wondering what's been kind of like the biggest adjustment for you for doing those different types of work and, you know, being in front of the camera, but also being the driving force behind making a film yourself. Um, I think they're connected again, you know, like... I love talking to people and um, I think 
hosting in a way is kind of like an extension of modeling. You know, I'm, I can be aware of myself on camera and I just like talking to people. I love learning. Um, I actually did an interview a few months back and as I was talking, the guy's like, wow, you really like to learn. And I was like, huh, I guess I do. I'm going to run with that. I like that, you know, and I think <laughs> that desire to learn really oh. propels me in all these different areas. And when I think about doing stuff on camera, it's like, it's a different side of me that kind of gets entertained, you know? I'm like, okay, cool. Like I can like put on cute outfits, do my makeup and have conversations with people, learn something about people's careers um, and get to really engage with the community and engage with people that inspire me. Cause that's really the types of people that I like to interview, you know? Um, so I think those two mm-hmm. things really allow me to kind of be all of me. And, and that's something that I love about my creativity and, that, and in my art and my practices is that there's like so many different sides of me. Like I said, I get bored easily. I multitask like almost too much. I usually have way too many things going on, but sometimes certain ideas or concepts or, you know, um, visions that I have creatively aren't going to get properly um, expressed through a film. Maybe they'll get expressed through a written article. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll get expressed better through interviewing somebody who knows more about it than me. You know, so it really depends on the kind of idea that I have. And then based on that idea and what I'm trying to accomplish, I find the best medium for me to achieve that. And if it's something that maybe I know really well, I'll do it. And if it's something I have to learn more about, I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. Let's like figure this out and let's like get it going. You know what I mean? Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. I feel like I went on a little bit of a rant. No, absolutely. Um, okay. <laughs> I, would love, I would love hearing artists who are like that, like just kind of going for everything. Because I think that's also, it's probably one of a really important part about being a creative and an artist is not being afraid to try and delve into a lot of things while it being very stressful at times. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear the difference between your time as like a segment producer working on The Shift and working with Belle to maybe even your experience as a filmmaker. Like, because I feel we don't hear a lot of the times about that kind of TV hosting, you know, producing work. So what was that experience like? Did you know what you were getting yourself into before it happened? Like, did you learn anything about the process? Hmm. Um, I definitely learned so much working for The Shift. Um, It was a, like Kayla Gray is an amazing interviewer. So I learned a lot just watching Mm -hmm. her. She exposed me to a lot of her process as well, which was fantastic. But I think the difference between doing segment producing for some first show like that, where it's, you know, based you have a certain time limit you're interviewing people it's a lot about like editing down the content and I learned a lot about how to synthesize an idea when I have a lot of information in front of me you know so like when you do an interview with someone it can be like 30 minutes and you have to get that down to five and you have like a week to do it and it has to be covered with b-roll and it has to like the turnaround time was really fast so for me it really like enhanced my abilities to tell a story in that way and to understand okay like you take out the ums, like it gave me a better process, you know? Um, and when I compare that to like filmmaking, I think it all applies to the same thing. It's all storytelling, really. It's just a different way to tell a story. You know, mm-hmm. you can do a documentary mm-hmm. on somebody and tell their story that way, or you can interview them and tell their story that way. But at the end of the day, you still have to have your main points of what you're trying to hit, your main beats, um, the main, you know, things that you know will resonate with people. You still have to go through that process. It was just a different way to do it. And I think the team there was really fantastic. I learned so much just being exposed to that side of the media world as well um, and being able to like research people and come up with ideas and um, see them come to fruition in that way. I, I love that. I love when I have an idea and then I like watch it come to life and I'm like, yes, I did it. 
yeah, like keep going. You know what I mean? So it was a really, um, it was a really great experience. And I, and I learned a lot about storytelling in a different way when I worked mm-hmm. there. I have a bit of a question that I'm, I'm just personally curious about because I do stuff behind the camera. And so I wonder when you do work in front of the camera, do you ever struggle kind of like letting go of the behind the scenes responsibilities when you know that's something you have to hand off to other people when that's something that you're used to being um looking over all the time so do you ever have to like like click off something in your brain when you're doing those things honestly sometimes (laughs) like it's not always the best sometimes i'll i'm like okay so we're gonna do like an interview or like a a video thing and i'm like okay what's the lighting setup what's the background gonna be where is it gonna be show me the studio space like my mind just goes there so like yes definitely um but the cool thing too about the shift was again i got to do like when i produced especially the stuff i fronted all the pieces i fronted except for i think one i had like creative control over it so Mm -hmm. i caught um i reached out to the person i did the research i picked my interview questions i picked the locations i did the shot list Mm -hmm. i edited the piece and i finalized it so i was a part of every stage and i haven't done i actually am going to be doing an interview so impressive (laughs) it's my job at the time but um i actually have an interview coming up and um i'm not going to be editing it i'm not going to be doing anything behind the scenes i'm going to kind of get to help them pick the shots but it's really just me fronting the piece for this Mm -hmm. next interview that i'm going to be doing so we'll see you know i i understand again it's like what i said with gray area where like i learned that i'm capable of doing all these things but i also learned that i always don't always have to do all the things right you don't need to you know Mm -hmm. like sometimes having other people think about other stuff it just makes the one job you have to do that much easier and that's something that i've had to learn the hard way you know because i burnt myself out many times just be like i'm like i can do it all i'm gonna do everything i'm gonna do this i'm gonna direct it I'm gonna blah, 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 blah. Yeah. and then at the end of it i'm like okay i need to like sleep for like two months you know so oh my gosh yeah 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 so actually that leads us to our next question is because of all this do you sleep <laughs> what's what's the caffeine intake you know? <laughs> on a regular basis like like because it's you know, you know there's so many things happening i okay one thing about me i can't drink coffee i have like pretty bad anxiety yeah I really I can't it makes me so weird like I get guys like I I get jittery I get like my eyes get wide I get stomach aches sometimes it's bad it's and I then I don't sleep so I really wait so what's the alternative just a lot of sugar No, okay. I'm gonna do like I'm gonna do a little like product plug. I swear I don't like work for them or anything. This is just my favorite thing in the whole wide world. So there's this tea called Cream of Earl Grey by David's Tea. It is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. I'm also a sugar addict, like complete, and I don't put sugar in it because it tastes so good. And I drink it almost every morning, and that's what'll keep me going because it's really highly caffeinated. But for some reason, the tea and I actually like the flavor because I actually don't like how coffee tastes. I feel like people lie when they say it tastes good. Like it doesn't taste good. It tastes so bitter. No, I literally. I'm gonna be honest here. Taste. It leaves a weird aftertaste. I don't know. I just. I can't. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I just I don't know I don't I don't do I don't like it so I drink I drink that tea um a lot and then sometimes I'll have like matchas I like those as Mm. well um Mm. but I honestly I'm also somebody who like if I don't get a lot of sleep I'll Mm. fall asleep in the middle of doing things like I usually require about eight hours of sleep so So how do you do it (laughs) what's the the balance (laughs) (laughs) what's the secret here do you just like take power naps in the middle intense you know what I think the secret is that (laughs) 
if I showed you my Google <laughs> Calendar, you got every time my mom sees me, she like looks. Last time I saw her, I was like, I, I asked her if I wanted to, she wanted to do something with me. I pulled out my phone. She's like, what is that? I'm like, that's my Google Calendar. She's like, what? She like shows my whole family. She's like, look at Keisha's calendar. Look how busy she is. I'm like, mom, give me my phone back. It's weird. <laughs> like, you know, but it is a lot of like, I've learned how to. And I'm honestly, I'm not the best at it all the time with like prioritizing my time and my time management mm-hmm. isn't always the best, but I've learned different things over the years. Like for me, I'm right. a visual learner. Mm-hmm. So I have an agenda that I write mm-hmm. in and it's color coded. I have colors for different projects. My Google calendar is color coded. My email's color coded. And whenever I have something, I have to write it down. If I don't write it down, I won't remember. And like that's happened to me before. So I, I'm like really make sure that I have a method to know how I work and how I can organize myself and knowing the things I need to retain information Mm -hmm. to remember things like I have to write everything down everything's color-coded I have my methods I am very rigorous in planning my weeks I also have um, a business coach that helps me with all my projects and manages a lot of stuff for me as well so I have help and I realized like last year just Mm -hmm. before the film was going to come out that I needed more people in my corner to help me out so I got that help and um, that's a really big part of it for me I again I'm not I'm really not the best at managing my time. There are some days where I don't get enough sleep. There are a lot of days when, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just too tired to do anything and I have to take a break and take a day. But my goal by like the end of the year is to mm-hmm. have like a good system where I can actually rest on weekends and I'm not nice. working all the mm-hmm. time. So that's the goal. Mm-hmm. I hope it mm-hmm. happens. That's good. Healthy, <laughs> healthy goals. Um, where where did you find the help that you know that you decided when you needed it? Because I think it's really tough to find people that you can trust and kind of let yourself let them take care of you. So how did you go about finding those support systems? Uh, it's funny because uh, my business coach, as an example, she was referred to me through someone. And um, Mm -hmm. a lot of it was kind of doing this stuff, like talking to different creatives in the industry. And then um, the way I got her was I was speaking to another filmmaker. Well, she's not a filmmaker, but she works in the film industry. And she was telling about her business she started. And I was like, how are you doing all this? And she's like, oh, like, this is my, like, person who helps me. Like, you should contact them if you need that help. Um, It was kind of like divine timing, in all honesty, because I met her just Mm -hmm. before the film came out, like just before it was about to come out. And I was like looking for the help. And I was just I was doing a pre-interview for a panel that I had to moderate. And then in that conversation is when I discovered that this person existed and that they somebody did a job where they just talked to you and help coach you through doing multiple projects. So um, with that, it was it was really, again, just talking to people and stuff. But in general, I think. You know, when you're on, and this might sound kind of hokey, but I don't care. When you're on the right path, I find, and when you put your intentions into things and you're doing things you love, the things you need will come to you. But you have to know what it is you need. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't have known to get this coach if I if I didn't talk to this person about what they do. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm actually looking for that right now. And then they're like, oh, well, then hit them up, you know? Mm-hmm. But if I didn't even know I needed it and I wasn't being, you know, living in that authentic space of my creativity and understanding that this is the time I need this, I wouldn't even have known to ask for it, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is building relationships with people who are doing things similar to you and actually having a community and a network and not just people that you're collaborating with. People think that like having a community or having a network means you gain something from people, but maybe it's just literally talking to people who are in the industry and doing what you're doing, going for coffee with people every once in a while and like figuring out what they're doing, what they're up to and how you guys can like assist each other, not necessarily by working together, but just even being a bounce board, you know? Um, Mm And having those kinds of relationships where you can 
talk to people about, about what you actually are doing and what you need and what you want for your career and seeing how you guys can mm-hmm. have that exchange, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think it leads into something we wanted to talk about as well, and that is you got you have such a diverse network of connections with people from all walks of life, very different backgrounds. And I think a big thing that a lot of creatives fall into is they kind of start sticking with the people in their niche and they talk with people within their industry. So how did you break out of that bubble and how do you build that sort of authentic relationship which you really put a lot of focus on when it's not just fully utility based and i think that's really respectable so how do you go about managing that when the industry there is a lot of you know i need you for something therefore i will interact with you yeah um i think a lot of it is about like knowing i keep my eye on what people are doing you know and when i see somebody just doing something that i admire i and i feel like maybe there could be some sort of you know connection there i make the effort i literally will like be like hey i really like your work do you want to connect like one of my friends um i have a filmmaker friend um and him and i literally connected because he reached out to me one day he's like hey i like what you're doing i'm like i like what you're doing like let's have a zoom call and then it started this like really great friendship and him and i are like friends to this day we kind of help each other out whenever we need it and like we would talk like in the summer we spent a lot of time together just like talking and you know helping each other with applications for stuff and it wasn't about us trying to work together it was just like i see what you're doing i like what you're doing and i kind of want to know more because like how are you doing all this and like where did your ideas come from it's again that like desire to like want to actually learn about people and connect with people you know and i think a lot of people assume that networking or you know building a community is again this thing where you need to gain things from people but sometimes all it is is just trying to see where they're coming from and like understanding their story because like i always say this to people when they're like How, what do i do i just want to like, reach out to this person i'm like yo people love talking about themselves just tell them you literally want to <laughs> hear about their project how did you do this they will be very very thrilled if they have the time i'm sure they'll be happy to do it if you're genuinely interested um and i think you know the last like bit of advice I can say with building a network is also just being kind. Um, It seems weird, but people, especially in the entertainment industry are not always the kindest and people like to use each other a lot and they want to gain something from you and kindness goes a long way. And I always say, you know, even when I was as a director, especially when I was doing the film, like when we were doing gray area and I, you know, make sure I talk to everybody and talk to the PAs and talk to, doesn't matter like what your position is you're here to make this happen and we couldn't do this without this person here Mm -hmm. and i'd talk to people and they'd sometimes just be like oh like yeah i'm good how are you i'm like i'm i'm good like what's up like let's chat like i have a minute like what what are your goals like what do you want to do in film how can i help you like those types of conversations and those authentic and and you know earnest moments you can have with people go a really really long way because you never know where someone's going to end up and I know that I wouldn't be where I am if people didn't help me in some way or didn't extend themselves in some way. So when you get to certain places, it's important to remember to acknowledge all the people that help you bring your vision to life that make it not just yours anymore and now it's something you did together. It's a collaborative process, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, it's great that we talk about this because I think especially for youth creatives, this whole idea, networking is so important, you know, as you say in... This also sounds really scary. <laughs> it does. It sounds it sounds intimidating. It almost like at least even from from my perspective, sometimes I feel like am I at just asking for too much, or am I just do they do they know? Are they am I approaching them as if they know that I'm just gonna you know use them? Or it's like, are I we being be an inconvenience? <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Um, but at the same time, especially for creatives, it's so important. So, I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting that it's kind of just that idea of go for it and, you know, value those relationships. And hopefully at the end of the day, you'll be able to say, look, this is what I did. And that relationship was well worth it. You know. And like the thing, too, is a lot of people get very upset by like rejection. Like if you email someone and they don't get back to you right away, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not because they don't want to just because people are busy. And I I think in the past like two years, right. I realized that like. There have been people who've emailed me that like ask me questions about stuff and it's like I actually just don't have time for this. It's not that I don't want to, it's just I don't have time right now. And I think a mm-hmm. big thing about, you know, networking and, and building your community is kind of removing your ego aside and getting that like you might reach out to someone and they just you have no idea what's going on in their life. You have no idea what they deal with on a daily basis. And sometimes people just can't or won't and or well not they won't, they can't at that time, you know? And if for me, I'm a firm believer in like what's meant to be will be. If that person's meant to come into your circle and be a part of your journey, they will at some point. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. not right now, you know? And right. I think a lot of people kind of forget Absolutely. that. Like put your ego aside a little bit and understand that not everything has to be about what you want in that exact moment. And when the time comes, it'll come if it's meant to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, in talking about all the stuff that you do, there's one thing that we haven't mentioned, which is that you're actually the co-founder of your own organization, which is absolutely just on top, on of, top it, of everything. You know, <laughs> um, so you are the co-founder of Collective Culture. It's a platform that celebrates BIPOC and creative voices, provides resources to them. You guys do panels and interviews. Um, it's absolutely incredible and clearly very needed. So mm-hmm. we so appreciate what you do. Thank you. Um, so what was the process of creating that and you know did what were the experiences that you had a part of the industry in so many different hats maybe informing your view of being like this is needed right now well I started collective culture when I was in university when I was doing my undergrad at Concordia Mm -hmm. and how it started was um, I was in class and we're learning about like feminism and critical race theory and like you know trans experiences and all this stuff and I'm like particularly in the race classes, I'd look around and I'd be like, okay, like I'm what one of three black people in this room and everyone else is white and we're learning about racism. And a lot of the people who could probably use this information aren't even in the room. So like, Mm -hmm. this makes no sense. And on top of that, like, don't get me wrong. I love, I am so grateful for my education. I love academia. Like I am so excited to go back at some point. I want to like get my master's and, you know, hopefully got my doctorate one day. That's a goal I've always had. And yeah, I I love the space. I love like learning. I love thinking about ideas and concepts in these ways. You know, like I love theory. I like, I like that stuff a lot, but it's really exclusionary. Like the language Mm -hmm. is unnecessarily exclusionary and the concepts, it's almost like, sometimes I feel like when you read papers, it's like, who are you writing this for? You guys are just like, can I say something? Okay. I won't say it. You guys are just like, you know, can I say it? Okay. Like they're like circle jerking each other sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, who is this for? You know what I mean? Like, why are you guys like talking like this? Like the people who need this can't even understand what you're saying. I can't even understand Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I've been studying for four years, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and again, it's needed, but at the time I realized that there wasn't spaces that were having these conversations in these palatable ways. Mm -hmm. And that was like, okay, I'm in Montreal. I know people want to talk about this stuff. So how can we create a space that will do that? And that's mm-hmm. really what started Collective Culture. Um, in, in addition to that, it was also like, if you look at the platform itself, we don't really focus on like, you know, as an example, when Trump was in office, there's not one thing that we wrote about that had to do with Donald Trump. For me, 
I'm not interested in rehashing our oppression in that way. I'm not interested in, you know, talking to white people and explaining to them how racism works and this is what they need to do. Like, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is celebrating Mm -hmm. and amplifying people of color and our stories and our voices in a way that makes us feel good. And yes, sometimes those conversations are going to be heavy, but it's for our community. And I know that the work to explain things to white people, to explain things to men, to to unpack that stuff is really important. It's just something that I don't necessarily want to take on the responsibility of doing because so many people are doing that work and it's needed, you know, but collective culture is really a space that I feel like filled this gap that wasn't, you know, being filled at the time. And I wanted to create something that would allow me to also express myself creatively and to collaborate with other people. Cause I found, I was like, oh, I want to like do these different projects, but there's no platform for me to do it on. So like, let's just create one, you know? So (laughs) that's really how it came to be. Love the mindset of just, I'll do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wonder being in a leadership role, how is it to, like, how did you go about navigating kind of having that position of authority while being the head of an organization that's approaching such an important topic? Were there any bumps in the road or trial and error or things that you wish you'd known before stepping into that position? Um... Honestly, there's not much I wish I knew before because I've learned so much from it. And Mm. I think for me, what collective culture represented when I started is very different to what it represents now for me. When I when I started, it was something that, you know, again, kind of wanted to fill this void with. But I wanted it to be a platform that I could connect with the community with and I could create and I could, you know, learn new skills. Like as an example, I learned my first kind of introduction to event moderation was through collective culture. And the person that I co-founded it was like amazing at moderating. Still one of the best moderators I think I've ever experienced. And they were just so inspiring to be around creatively. And um, I also at that time wanted to learn graphic design. So I was like, okay, cool. So we have all these events. I'll just do all the graphics for this and I'll teach myself how to use these softwares, you know? So it was really an opportunity for me to like learn new skills, get some exposure, meet people and and have a space to collaborate in a way that I liked and that I wanted and could bring other voices in without it feeling like very restricted. Because I find sometimes it happens when you when you collaborate with people. Um, And now it's kind of turned into something that I want to give those opportunities to other creatives. You know, we have a lot of writers on the team now. And I say to them all the time, it's like, hey, what do you like? What should we write about? Like, well, what do you want to write about? Like, what are you interested in right now? Okay, you're interested in this. Okay, write a pitch, show it to me, and then we'll go from there. If it's in line with what we're doing on the platform generally, like do it. You know, I want it to be a space for people to authentically grow creatively because that's what it gave me. And having that kind of shift was really empowering for me as a leader because I realized that like now that I had that opportunity, I can give this to other people so that they have that room to, you know, maybe one day go write for a much bigger publication. And Collective Culture kind of served as this, you know, bridge for them to, to figure out what they needed to evolve with creatively you know what I mean um so I think there's not much that I wish I I knew before I think it gave me all the things that I needed to learn I'm still learning from it you know it's it's a really important part of my career and a part of my life and I'm really grateful for all the people that allowed it to grow into what it's grown into now so yeah and what do you see the vision of collective culture becoming is there any you know any kind of thing that you want it to be or maybe even in your own work, is there something that along the same lines you'd like to achieve in the future or try and change about the industry? Because there's clearly a lot of change that's needed. Um, so any any ideas about that? Um, I think collective culture right now, 
it's always been something that's reflective of the things I'm kind of like figuring out in my life or things I'm trying to work through. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to see it become a platform that allows more people to be a part of it and allows more people to kind of express themselves creatively to bring in more voices. But I guess the thing with that right now for me is that if that requires a certain level of energy that like I don't have right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of allowing it to like grow organically with the people who are on the team. And right now there's a focus. We're trying to develop some other, some new content that's going to be coming out soon. Um, We have some events that we're going to be planning for later in the year. And I think the pace of it has slowed down a little bit, which is great because it allows us to really think about what we want and the intention we want to put behind it. But I think long-term collective culture will always be a space for people to come who want to create and who have stories to tell and maybe who don't have other places they feel welcome to do that in. Um, And what that looks like definitively, I honestly can't tell you because it's already like where this has gone already is very surprising to me, not the success of it or the, Uh, reach it's gained more so just how it's shaped itself it's always been something that I try to do very authentically in the moment like okay this year I'm kind of interested in focusing on this type of stuff so like let's Mm -hmm. like do stuff like that and let's find people who are also interested in that and collaborate with them you know so we'll see where it grows that's kind of the exciting thing about having a platform like this where you can Mm -hmm. kind of just like figure it out yourself and and grow with the people who become a part of the journey for the for the organization and platform God knows we know that. <laughs> that's we know, that's we just know how that we're going. <laughs> go with the flow. Go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing. Best of luck to you. We're so excited to see where things are going. Um, Thank you. You've given us a lot of incredible information. But just to end things off, do you have any specific piece of advice that you would like to give to youth artists who may not necessarily know where they want to take their creativity and whether or not that's in a professional direction or just keeping it as a hobby or people who don't feel validated by the community that they're in to pursue something more creative? Is there anything at all that you want to say to them? Um, I think try stuff. You know, I... I even in this conversation, I've illustrated many of the different things I've tried that have led mm-hmm. me to be here. And sometimes it's scary to just be like, oh, I'm like interested in writing. Let me just write and see what happens. <laughs> or, you know, for me, it was I'm interested in video editing. Let me like just find projects where I can edit and learn how to use these programs, you know. But my mom always says something is just as important to know what you don't want as it is to know what you do want. And I think that advice has really resonated with me throughout my career where like, I know now I don't want to be a color grader. That's way too meticulous for me, you know, but I wouldn't, it's not going to happen. But I, but I know that because I tried it and I think it's really important to give yourself that space to fail and not Mm -hmm. even to look at it as a failure, but to try and find the lessons and failures. And I know people say that all the time, but you know, something I've been working through recently in my life is the power of your mindset when you do something and the intention that you put behind it. And when you really want something and you have a goal, don't let anything Mm -hmm. stop you from doing it. Like it doesn't matter if it takes you five years to do something, six years to do something. You look at all these, you know, celebrities, we see all these talented creative people that are in the media. They were not, they didn't just pick that up a couple days ago. They've been working at it for years and years and years. And we don't see that, Mm -hmm. you know? So don't be afraid to take time to perfect your art and to try stuff and to, you know, really hone in on what makes you feel good. Who cares what people think? And also who cares if what you do when you start is bad? Everything is not good when you start it. It, That's not possible. (laughs) Otherwise, what's the point? If everybody could just be good at something when they start it, there would be nobody that's exceptional at anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really about trying things being authentic in your journey and your discovery and being kind to people and also finding your community. That's 
the biggest thing be kind to people and build that network and that community of people that you can count on and Mm -hmm. you can't do anything alone so keep that in mind as you try things and as you meet people and just remember to be yourself because no one else can be you I feel like I'm saying the most corny stuff like today, but honestly, <laughs> they're real lessons that actually apply to my life. Yeah. And I mean them I mean them wholeheartedly. Like you are your greatest asset. Like use it, you know? So I think that's all yeah. my advice. I said like five things. You said one thing. I'm like, okay, this and this and this and this, but yeah, <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> well, Keisha, thank you so much for being here, for speaking with us. It's been so amazing hearing all of the work that you've done and also just the insight in all the experiences that you've had, um, you know, it's it can be hard sometimes to for even even just us for any youth creative to get that kind of advice and ask for it. So I guess mm-hmm. you know just hearing you speak so openly about everything is yeah. I know going to be so helpful, even helpful to us. So eternally grateful for you being here, and it's so fun chatting with you. So so thank you very much. Um, and if you guys would like to check out any of Keisha's work for Collective Culture, Gray Area, or any of her other projects, we'll have all her links in the descriptions of everywhere that you're watching or listening to this too. So please make sure to go show her some love. Um, and with that being said, thank you so much for listening and watching to this episode. And we will see you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs>